Today's scripture reading comes to us from 1 Kings, chapter 19, verses 11 through 13. He said, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Now there was a great wind, so strong that it was splitting mountains and breaking rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a sound of sheer silence. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance to the cave. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. It is with these familiar words from the Apostle Paul that we start a new chapter in the life of St. Luke United Methodist Church. Today I stand humbly before you as a servant whom Jesus has called to be your pastor. It's the start of a new dance, one that can be called Getting to Know You. This also happens to be the name of one of the songs from the musical The King and I. And as the song so fittingly states, we are entering into the mode where we are each getting to know you and getting to hope you like me. A former pastor of mine on his first Sunday at my home church said he always looked forward to his first Sunday because he always had a ready-made sermon to introduce himself to his new congregation. At the time, I laughed with the rest of the congregation, but I remembered those words. So today, you get my ready-made get-to-know-you sermon. So let's get started. Here I am, all five foot four inches of my God-given glory. (laughs) Like everyone else, some of me is good and some of me is not so good. So let's start with the obvious. I am a Caucasian woman. This leads naturally into other things that may not be so obvious. I'm 47 years old, soon to be 48, married to my high school sweetheart, (laughs) with two grown children, a son-in-law, a grandbaby on the way, three dogs of my own, and three granddogs. Eventually, you will probably get to meet these people that are so important in my life, although there's probably a better chance of you meeting my dogs. My husband and I just left Carlsbad, New Mexico, where I've been employed full-time for the last 15 years at the Waste Isolation Pilot Plant, you know, the place that just had the radiation leak. (laughs) We still own our home there, and we are trying to get it fixed up to put on the market. However, I spent most of my growing up years in the small town of Penrose, Colorado. It was a town of about 800 people in a county that had a population of around 25,000. We were surrounded by the mountains, 
which seemed to call our family almost every weekend in the summer. We would either be camping or heading to the hills for a picnic as soon as church was over. The majestic beauty of the Rocky Mountains frequently called me to just come and remember whose you are. I still like getting outdoors, but I haven't done much of it in the 25 years I've lived in New Mexico. In our younger days, my husband's work schedule as a Carlsbad police officer and the busy lives of school-aged children were not conducive to getting away for the weekend. Now that my husband's retired and the children are grown, it's the demands of seminary and the work of church that take up all my time. I attended Colorado School of Mines, where I crammed four years of engineering study into five years of school, and finally received a degree in chemical engineering. During my last semester of school, I received two phone calls from companies wanting me to come for plant trips. One of them was an agricultural chemical manufacturing company in West Virginia, and one was a sulfur mine located between Carlsbad and Pecos, Texas. I visited both places and for a number of reasons chose to head to New Mexico because no self-respecting Coloradoan would ever willingly become a Texan. <laughs> that was in 1989. And as you have already realized, God has a sense of humor because as of Wednesday I became a Texan. <laughs> I started work at WIP in 1998, and shortly thereafter started working on a Master of Science degree, mostly because WIP would pay for it. I finished that degree in Hazardous and Waste Materials Management in 2002, and that was it. In my mind, I was never, ever going to be a student again. But when I graduated, a colleague, a colleague asked me if I was going on to get a PhD. I kind of laughed it off, but instead of adamantly saying no, I said, if I ever go back to school, it will be in a position, when I'm in a position where I can quit work and go to school full time. Well, God's uh, sense of humor came in there too because uh, I worked full time, pastored two churches, and went to school full time as I started seminary. Little did I know that that small opening when I didn't say no back in 2002 was all that God needed to start working on my life in a big way. As you can tell from what I've already said, I came into the career of ministry rather late in my life. I'm not sure when I first felt the call to ministry or what was going, in, going on in my life at the time, but I do know that it was roughly eight years ago. I was sitting at the lunch table with my co-workers when one of them brought up the subject of what we wanted to do with our careers. And suddenly I blurted out, I, wanted to go to sem I want to go to seminary. And immediately I started looking around, uh, where did that voice come from? Because surely it wasn't mine. But to my dismay, I realized that yes, it did actually come from the depths of me. This had to be God's voice because ministry was so far away from what I considered my strengths that I would never have in a million years considered it. 
I thought it was too far removed from the concrete sciences that I perceived to be my forte. And for the next several years, I did my best to ignore what I have since come to understand as God's calling on my life. However, what I found in those couple years was that you can't ignore God and expect him to go away. I chose to begin my story this morning with the scripture from 1 Kings 19, 11-13. Because the thought of ministry kept coming back to me. And always, always in the midst of the chaos going around in my life. Generally it occurred when I thought at what I thought were the most inopportune times, when I couldn't do anything about it immediately. The thought would stay with me and not go away until I had to address it one more time. So I would superficially explore the call to the ministry by checking out the entrance requirements and the coursework for seminary. This always resulted in the decision that ministry was not for me. The theology, ethics, and the nebulous, touchy-feely stuff were not for me. It wasn't science where I had spent 25 years of my career. At least in chemistry, when you put A and B together, you always get C. Somehow, I don't think that dealing with human brains and human emotions and the God factor in there, that there's anything predictable about what will happen when you put two people together. So, when this thought occurred, I would read the seminary requirements and promptly put the thought of ordained ministry out of my mind. Or so I thought. Each time I addressed my call, I thought it would be the last time I needed to do that. I would add a few more excuses to my list of why the ministry is not for me. The list that said, I'm a scientist. I don't do the touchy-feely human emotion stuff. I don't like being around crowds of people. I hate talking in front of a group. I don't know the scripture well enough. I have kids ready to go to college and a husband who is almost ready to retire. And most of all, I can't afford to quit my job to go to school. I would add to the list and once more forget about the whole thing. Except a couple of weeks later, something would happen to bring it up again. The pastor would preach his usual Sunday sermon and all I would hear was, See, even the pastor is saying that you need to go into the ministry. Or I would find myself surfing the internet, not looking for shopping sites or stuff needed for my job or home, but looking for United Methodist Theological Schools and their offerings. The thought or feeling that I needed to be in the ministry kept coming back. I finally decided I had to face the issue head on, so I talked to a lot of people about what I was feeling. Through all these conversations, and especially a lot of conversation with God, I finally resigned myself to following God's lead into the ministry. I set up a series of meetings with my pastor, started faithfully reading my Bible and having devotional time, and one by one, my reasons for not pursuing the ministry were addressed. 
You know that gifts class you took so many years ago? Your gifts were in teaching and research and study. I want you to research my word and teach it to others. Those college costs that you're worried about? Your daughter wants to go to a United Methodist College. There are church scholarships for that. And your son will get a wrestling scholarship. It won't be as expensive as you think. Your husband's retirement? His pension will actually have him bringing home more money than when he did than he did when he was working. And that touchy-feely human emotion stuff? Well, there's this Stephen ministry class to teach you how to deal with it. You're going to take it, and you're going to enjoy it. (laughs) I know in my heart that the other things on my list will be addressed in time or will cease to be reasons why I can't. During one of my conversations, one of the things I was told that if my call is truly a God thing, then all the obstacles will take care of themselves. Is it coincidence? No, I don't believe so, but rather the still small voice of God calling me once again. I can't say that life has been any easier since I made the decision to explore the ministry. As a family, we faced major health issues, financial issues, and numerous small crises. What has changed, however, is that my heart and my attitude are in a much better place. I've been more able to trust in my God and my Savior to know that he has a bigger and better plan than what I can perceive. God took that little opening I gave him 12 years ago and worked in my life. So here I am now. I am not, nor will I ever be, a perfect preacher or a perfect pastor. I didn't even really think I was ready to be one on a full-time basis, but my DS thought otherwise. After all, I have only finished two years of seminary, and I'm still learning what this preaching thing is all about. And once again, God had other plans and ideas for me. With God's guidance and grace, and your patience and forgiveness, I will learn what it is that I'm supposed to be doing. By leaning on Jesus and basking in his love, we will get through the fits and starts of getting to know each other. And by inviting the Holy Spirit into our midst, we will grow spiritual fruit and become able to show Christ's love to each other. As we continue our getting to know you dance, I hope that we can not only get to know each other and like each other, but also, and more importantly, to get to better know and like our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so as we finish this first day in the new chapter of this church, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen and amen.